0: Well, as we've mentioned, today is a unique day, a day that we set aside to recognize fathers. And much like Mother's Day, this day um, seems to be interpreted in different ways by different people depending on your experience. For some of us, today is a fun day, a day to celebrate, uh, a day to reflect back on all the good things that God has given to us in our relationships. Uh, but for others, today is a day that we'd rather skip. Maybe pay no attention to at all because we haven't had a good relationship with our Father. Um, still, other of us maybe are waiting for the experience of becoming a father, as we talked about last week, or maybe the experience of being a father never came. So, wherever you are on that spectrum, my prayer for all of us today is that on this Father's Day, we would find God's peace and His joy in our lives. And I want to try my hardest today to get us, in some ways, yes, to think about what it means to be a father in this world, to be a dad in the world today, but more importantly, I want us to think about what it means to believe that God is our Father. And what living life in his presence is meant to look like. And so there's a couple of big ideas I want us to consider today. And the first is this, that the Christian life is a life in which we are called to live in the Father's presence. This is on your outline if you want to follow along today. Christian life is a life meant to be lived in the Father's presence, which simply means that all of our lives, our entire lives, are lived before God. He is involved in everything about us. Our whole life is lived before him. And so if you are a believer in Jesus, then not only is your entire life lived before God, but you do so from a particular position from the position of being a son of God or a daughter of God, which means that God is very much present in your life and in mine, just like a father should be. There's another big idea I want us to think about today is that if we are called to live life in uh, the father's presence, then speaking to the dads directly today, fathers on this Father's Day, we are called to be present, to live presently in the lives of our children. That's the calling of being a father. And you may say, well, of course, right? Of course I'm a presence in my kid's life. Um... I live in the same house, right? (laughs) That's being present enough. But there's a difference between being actively present and being passively present. And I want us to think about that this morning. But for all of us, whether you're a son or a daughter, a father, a mother, all of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, are called to be present in the lives of others. Because God's presence has come into our lives, it pushes us, To live presently in the lives of others. So those are the big ideas I want us to think about today. And so let's first talk about God's presence. What is God's presence like? And I want to do so by turning to uh, one of the most beautiful passages in the Old Testament from the book of Psalms in Psalm 139. And if you have a Bible, you can turn there today, or if you want to follow along on the screen, you can. But look at how the psalmist describes the presence of God. Starting in verse 7, he writes, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Beautiful, isn't it? The first thing we see here about God's presence is that it is continual. God's presence is continual. Wherever we may be, wherever you may be, whatever you may be doing, God is with us. His presence is with us. Look back at verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. God's presence is continual and even in the darkest places of the world and even the darkest places of our personal lives, God is there. His presence is with us. It is continual. It does not end or run out. But also, God's presence is eternal, we see from Psalm 139. Verse 15 says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your, bur- your book before one of them came to be. This is one of the passages of Scripture that we lean on when we talk about the sanctity of life or the value of every life, including The unborn, that God's presence is eternal, that He's even involved in the shaping of our lives before we were born. Derek Kidner, one of my favorite Bible commentators, writes about this. He says, God is the author of every detail of my being, every detail of my being. He knows our days how many there will be from beginning to end. And the fact that that is true for you means that it has also been true for every person that has come before us. You and I are deeply known by God and we are known by him for all eternity. And so we think about the presence of God in that way, that it is a continual presence with us that doesn't run out and an eternal presence with us it leads us, as it does the psalmist, to worship. When you take time to contemplate the continual and eternal presence of God, um, that he is close to you, that he knows your days, that he knows everything about you, the natural thing to do is to stop and worship him. Look what it leads the psalmist to say in verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, God how vast is the sum of him it's as if he's run out of words right after considering the presence of God in his life and the presence of God in the world and what a model for us that is that when we take the time to consider the presence of God that we would be led to worship to praise him to glorify him And for the fathers in the room this morning, I think that we can use this framework of thinking about the presence of God um, to consider what it means for us as fathers to live presently in the lives of our children. And this is on your outline, but I want you to think about fathers. We are meant to be a continual, constant presence in the lives of our children. That's the calling of being a dad. If you have been given that calling by God and as I mentioned we hear that and and may say of course I I get that that's the way that it should be but all of our experience is not the same and for some of us we've lived a whole life without the constant and continual presence of our fathers we've lived with the devastation that has come from that maybe you're here today and your father hasn't been that constant presence in your life and he may not be now many of you know the famous actor Gene Hackman very versatile and award-winning probably the height of his career was when he won the Oscar for the French connection in the 70s but his lowest recollection involves his loss of connection with his father in an interview he recalls I was just 13 but that Saturday morning is still so vivid I was playing down the street from our house when I saw my father drive by and give me a light wave of his hand. Somehow I knew that gesture meant that he was going away forever. And he did. He left. And to this day, the memory of this ghost of a father lives with him. You see, when a father is not present, the devastation is massive in the life of a family. But we know it's not also just the, the fathers who physically leave, but someone can be present in a room or present in a family and not be what? Present. Be there, but not be there. And the emotional and mental devastation that can come from that is great as well. One of my favorite shows of the last few years was a show called Parenthood, and it's no longer on TV ended a few years ago but uh, one of the main uh, couples, the kind of the lead couple of the show is Adam and Christina and in the early episodes of the show they're navigating uh, some of the behavioral challenges of their son Max and the current issue is that Max um, refuses to wear anything but his pirate costume. He just won't take it off. He wants to wear it to school. Everywhere he goes and his father is terrified for him about the ridicule he'll receive and what people will think about him. But later in the episode, they have an appointment with a child psychologist that they've been waiting to see and the psychologist tells them that Max's behavior is consistent with what we would call Asperger's syndrome. And they look like they're hit in the face. They don't know how to respond or what to think about that. And they begin to respond in very typical ways. Adam says, "Well, how long is this going to take then, right? To get him through this and kind of back on track?" And the doctor stops him and says, "No, no, no. You know, uh, this is not something that goes away. This is who he is. This is a syndrome that he will live with." And he goes, "I, I just don't understand." And his wife, Christina, says, well, what are we supposed to do for him? I don't know what to do. And Adam says to the doctor before leaving, so just in case we never see you again, what do you at least suggest we do to get him out of the pirate costume? The doctor says, well, the first step is not to wrench Max out of his comfort zone. The first step is to join Max where he is. And when he's ready, you walk him into the world. And later, as they're processing this, Adam confesses to his wife, Christina. He says, I I can deal with anything. I can deal with disease, with illness, with a broken bone. Give me something that I can fix. But I don't know how to deal with this. This is for life. So finally, after all of his tricks and his pressure and his demands and bargains with Max, they've all failed to change the pirate costume behavior And so finally, Adam decides to try the doctor's advice. And he enters Max's world by dressing up as a pirate himself. And they have this incredible scene at the end of an episode where they're just playing and playing and playing. They're pirate sword fighting with one another. They are just incredibly delighted with each other. And you see, fathers enter into the lives of their kids. They meet them where they are, just as God our Father has entered our lives and met us where we are. And so, fathers are meant to be the kind of committed dad, one who is committed to be a constant and continual presence in the lives of their children, to be in tune with what is going on, to be ready and willing to dive into life with them. And that is not always easy. It takes time. It takes creativity. It takes a willingness to pursue our kids, no matter our age. And For those of you who are parenting adult children now, you know this to be true. But a committed father leads us to also see that dads need to be open. We have to be open to the fact that our children are different than us. That we're not our children. That they are not exactly like this. That what they love may be different than what we love. And a committed and continual present father is going to be open to wearing the pirate costume or open to beginning to care about something that our kids care deeply about. And when we are like that, when we are committed and when we are open, then I really believe, just like Psalm 139 says, it leads us to love. You see, the psalmist, as we mentioned in Psalm 139, was saying all these amazing things about the presence of God, that it was continual and eternal, wherever he went, God's presence presence was with him, just as when a father is living that committed and open life with his kids, the psalmist that led to worship, and for us fathers, I think it leads to love. It leads to a committed and deep love for one another, and that's the gift of being a committed presence in our children's lives. And you see, the way that God shows his love for us is by bringing his presence to us. And really, that's the remarkable gift of the gospel. That though we've sinned and separated ourselves from God, God, his presence, came to us in Jesus. His presence in human flesh to know us, to show us how we were meant to live with God as our Father and how we were meant to live with one another, to demonstrate love for us. And God does that by sending Jesus to the cross to become that perfect sacrifice for our sins so we could have a restored relationship with God as our Father. And the beauty of the resurrection of Jesus, that not only did Jesus die for our sins, but he rose from the dead. The beauty of that is that we have hope now that we will live in the Father's presence for all eternity. But the good news of the gospel is not just the hope that we'll have that one day in heaven, but that we live now, each and every day, with God's presence. It is the gift Of the good news to us. That's how we begin to think about living in the Father's presence. But secondly, today, we've seen how the psalmist talks about God's presence, but what does Jesus say? Jesus promises, he doubles down, that we will always have his presence. There's this wonderful scene when Jesus is sharing a last meal with his disciples. And he begins to talk about the future with them and what's going to happen. And he says this in John 14. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, a helper, to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus promises them, and he promises us that God's presence, this deep, eternal, continual presence that leads us to worship him, is now in us through the Holy Spirit. That's the promise, the gift that Jesus says comes to his children. But what does that presence do? What does the Holy Spirit do? Jesus tells us that it's supposed to remind us of something. Do you remember what he said in verse 18? That we will never be what? Orphans. That the Spirit is meant to remind us that we are God's children, that he will never leave us, that the constant presence of God is in us through his Spirit. That's what Jesus promises you and me. But finally this morning with all that said and that being true and truly believing that it gives us this claim this hope that we hold on to that God's presence in us reminds us that we are his children. Jesus promised us that we would have a helper in this life. That his spirit would be with us so that we would always know that God is our father that we would not be left as orphans but look at what the Apostle Paul says, and he says this in Romans 8 in these incredibly powerful verses. He says, for those who are led by the Spirit, what Jesus just promised, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Do you see the power of what Paul is saying here? That God's Spirit in us joins up with our spirit to remind us that God is our Father, that he is Abba. And Abba is one of those words that we hear sometimes, we may wonder what it means. It, it literally means daddy, special intimate to think of our fathers as one who is open to us who we can come to who we can bring our lives before and experience love and acceptance that's what god's spirit is helping you to do if you believe and if you were here on mother's day um, you heard pastor dudley say this and i think it's important for us to say today on father's day as well That if you and I are going to be, if you are a mother or a father, if we're going to be a committed or continual presence, constant presence in the lives of our kids, that is open to them, that leads to love, the only way that we're going to have the fuel to do that is if you and I can first see ourselves as God's child. That before you are a father, you are a child of God. Yourself. That before you are a mother, you are a child of God yourself. And if you have come to the place in your life where you have received Christ in faith, then you are God's child. You have experienced the love and acceptance of God. That presence, his spirit, has come into your life. And because it has, what we believe as followers of Jesus, is that it moves us out into the lives of other people. Because we've experienced that love and acceptance, we desire that others close to us, our families, our friends, our neighbors, our communities, whatever it may be, it pushes us out to see others experience that same love and acceptance. And so how are we doing with that? How is God at this point in your life moving you out? Because he is present in your life. How is he moving you out to be present in the lives of others? We have a lot of different ways right now here at our church for you to get involved in the life of others, to be present in the life of others. Different things you can be serving in and ways that you can fellowship with one another, but there are all kinds of opportunities where you are already also in your neighborhoods, or with your group of friends? How is the fact that God is present in your life asking you, pushing you, moving you to not only be present in the life of your family as a father or mother, to be present in the life of others? And so I'd love for us all to consider that this week. If God's presence is in me through his Holy Spirit, and if the Spirit is constantly reminding me that I am God's child, how is it leading me out towards others in love and welcome? This past Wednesday evening, I was in Durham, North Carolina, and I was invited to um, participate in a community night at a place called Reality Ministries. And Reality Ministries works with um, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities in the Durham area. And they do that by um, having people come together on a daily basis for meals, and they have uh, ways in which actually people are living in community there, the non-disabled with the intellectually disabled. And they have projects that they do together and gardens and all these wonderful things. And on this occasion, we shared a meal and then we had a community worship service. And I can't tell you the joy that was in the room. On stage, leading us in worship, every person had some type of intellectual or developmental disability. And they were leading us in songs they were leading us in scripture reading and the joy that filled the room was just remarkable it's hard to describe it's hard to recreate and they actually write songs themselves and one of the songs that they wrote in house at reality they led that night and sang and the name of the song and the line that they sang throughout was abba i belong to you abba I belong to you. And you see, when you hear someone sing with passion that they belong to God, you are reminded that you belong to God. Abba, I belong to you. And so for you fathers in the room, there's no 10 steps here this morning on how to be a better dad, tips, trainings, The word for you this morning is that you belong to God. And when you recognize that you belong to God, then you're gonna be able to turn to your children and say, no matter what, you belong to me. You belong to God as my child. You belong to me. All of us need to hear that and let that fill us with joy and peace and let our lives be led before God in his presence as his children. That is the hope of the gospel that leads us to a new way of life in this world, even a new way of life of thinking about what it means to be a dad. Amen? Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks that though you have given us many things to think about of how we could live life in certain ways and um, things to consider about change what you ask us to adopt and believe is that we are yours we are your children that Abba we belong to you and Lord I pray that we would all hear that today and we would parent from that place that we would lead our children to believe that no matter what, even though they are our kids, they are first your kids, that they belong to you. And God, may that change the motivation of our hearts. May it lead us to be open and committed to one another. May it push us out to be present in the lives of others because you have promised to be always present in our lives. Father, thank you for the spirit who in our lives helps us to believe when we cannot believe that we are your children. Thank you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.